Welcome back to the podcast of the, I guess, Galactic Heroes again, because it's not condom anymore. <laughs> I guess we're, I guess we're back. It's podcast yeah. of the Sunrise Heroes. Yeah, hi everybody. Welcome to uh, season f- oh, five, isn't it? Huh. Hmm. That sounds right. Yeah. How about that? Well, regardless, we're doing Cowboy Bebop, which is I'm excited for. First, let's talk through what I've never heard we of this have, one before. It's our, our experience. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Me, Ty Tuesday. I've seen Cowboy Bebop roughly 17 times or so, so I'm pretty familiar with this work. Uh, Kubo, how about yourself? Yeah, same. I would say probably if I had to make more accurate <laughs> guess, six or seven, but yeah. <laughs> I Who have, said my guess wasn't accurate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen it like all the way through at least once, but usually not in order in that very Adult Swim anime kind of way. Yeah. Uh, for me, I have actually seen this one before. Exciting, I know. <laughs> um, only once or twice and many years ago. It was one of the few animes I could watch. I didn't have... The equivalent of cable in the UK. So Britain the only <laughs> didn't discover Japan for a long time. A long time. So the only ones I got <laughs> were ones I could buy in DVD box sets that were not stupid expensive, and Cowboy Bebop was one of them. Oh, so you got the Hong Kong bootleg just like I did back in the day. <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, we'll be doing uh, four episodes at a shot or per episode again, like like we've uh, been doing. And, uh, yeah, Kubo want to take us away with episode one. I mean, okay, should we, like, talk about how we're probably going to be a little lighter on the story of this one because the story's kind of less than the style yeah, of this one? Yeah, so, like, when we were talking about, like, what we were going to do next, like, and Serene suggested this one, like, I thought about it for a bit, and it's, like, one of the things that makes this show so amazing is its stylistic aspect, and that's, like, impossible to convey accurately while talking. I mean, I, I was talking to Ty earlier. It's like, there's certain scenes in here where I can just go on for five, ten minutes about, like, the composition of a 20-second shot. Like, go and watch this, is what we're saying. Yeah, this is yeah. one of the ones that will definitely benefit if you watch it first and then listen to us chat about it, because you'll have a better it idea. It is also one of the easier animes to find, because it has fallen off of the back of many trucks over the course <laughs> of its life. Um, yes. Cowboy Bebop is like up there with Dragon Ball Z for most fallen off of back of truck anime. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What else is there? Trigun? <laughs> oh, another one I have yeah. actually seen. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, got it. One. All right. <laughs> yeah, so um, another thing, I don't know if you actually planned on doing this, Ty, but the soundtrack is also integral to uh, the viewing experience of this. And uh, that is something we may be able to do. I don't know how much work you want to put on yourself, but we'll um, see. And even then I'm only going to be putting in like a couple second clips here or there and like, just go, go listen to it. Just go watch the show. Go listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. Go, go, go take it. In. It's really good. Like I'll be real. There's a good chance that 99% of the people who are listening to this podcast have already seen cowboy bebop. If you're one of the true. 1% who is lucky enough to have not seen cowboy bebop yet, go see it. It's great. It's go so good. Yeah, and then come back. We'll be here. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll just jump on in. Um, the cold open for the series begins with like kind of Europeanish looking town almost. Uh, that's raining outside, very blue color palette and church bells. A tall, lanky you- man with very messy hair is standing, uh, leaning up against the wall. His name is Spike. He'll be main character for the rest of the series. Uh, he's sitting there with a bouquet of flowers and smoking, and there's some sor- sorrowful uh, music box music playing. He drops a cigarette on the ground, starts walking off, and then there's interspersed cuts of shots of the rain. Um, he's dropped a rose into a puddle, uh, and then there's just cuts of him just murdering people in what appears to be a gang shooting. Um, the flower is on the ground, eventually gains color, and then like it shows a scene of him getting shot and hunched shutting over. And that's uh, from your there, open. Yep, that's the cold open. From there, it goes into the intro. Um, I have notes for this, but it's the intro that Cowboy Bebop. Just go look at it on YouTube. The thing has become like a cultural icon. Like I just don't really know what else to say about it. It has been referenced by so much media. It's like the bike slide in Akira. Yes. It just is everywhere yeah. now. Like, the opening sequence tank is... It's good. There, yep. It's referenced a lot because it's quite good, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, we'll just skip that for uh, the time being. Um, the first episode is called Asteroid Blues. Um, we get a long pan shot of space. Uh, ships going through gates. It's uh, obviously set in the future and in space. Um, yeah, basically, some- this whole first five-ish minutes is establishing characters and establishing this kind of run-down spacey world. 
Yeah. Um, and this really we, shitty spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see the main titular spaceship in the series, the Bebop. Um, it's in hyperspace, flying through a gate. Um, we see some cuts of Spike doing basically Kung Fu, some Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee shit. Um, we're introduced to a stockier built man with an artificial left arm. He has black facial hair, but is bald. Um, he is Jet. He is Spike's partner, and he is another major character. Uh, he is Jet cooking, Black. Yep. He's cooking stir-fry. Uh, bell peppers and beef, apparently. In the common area of the spaceship, um, there's a show on TV uh, about bounties and stuff. And uh, Jet is showing um, Spike their next bounty. A guy named Asimov is their next target. He works for the syndicate. Spike is not paying attention. He is annoyed that there are no bell pep- or no beef in the bell peppers in beef. And he asks well, why yeah. this is a thing. Yeah, I they mean, I'm with him on that <laughs> Yeah, of Jet was just like, yeah, I made bell peppers and beef. And there's no beef in this. Why would you call it bell peppers and beef? You wouldn't call it that. And then he's just like, yeah, I would. And Spike's like, fuck you, buddy. You fuck you. Like, the thing is, yeah, they're just trying to talk about work. And, uh, yeah, Spike just starts getting more and more pissed. Uh, asks why there's no money. Uh, because they apparently are bounty hunters and both just did a big bounty. Um, but Jet explains that he, I believe it was, like crashed a cop car and blew up a ship and a part of a building fell into the sea and like all these different things. It's, and just like, so all that cover. money we got. Yeah, basically he's like, yeah, we kind of actually ended up going through all the money because you were such a fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Spike is looking progressively more embarrassed the entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he, he continues on about Asimov. Apparently he got used to be part of the syndicate, but left on bad terms, and now he's hiding away in Tijuana with a woman. Uh, Spike says that nobody's go there, and he doesn't want to go, but just like Tijuana has great carnitas, and Spike is immediately persuaded by the thought of food. So, Which, we've been living I, I, on a I also, this long. Yeah. How can you not be pers- persuaded by carnitas? They're so good. Uh, They're so it's good. true. <laughs> Yeah, so we get a montage of the Bebop exiting hyperspace, going through tolls. Um, they're making plans to track down Asimov. Um, Jet says he's got to go talk to some of the cops, buddies he knows down there. Spike says he's got to talk to, quote, Old Man Bull, uh, who's a great character I like. Uh, we see shots of getting into his smaller ship. So the Bebop is quite large, um, I would say probably almost 1,000 feet long maybe, but the swordfish is like kind of car-sized. It's kind of a fighter. And so like it flies off the deck like a, I don't know, aircraft carrier and flies off. It looks so doofy, but in a really good way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I, again, like it's hard to convey the mechanical design that they have going on for this series. Like, but uh, the way the way I would describe it is like so compare like a big ass like road motorcycle or like a car. Like I would almost say like the Bebop is like a bus, mm-hmm. and then this thing's like a crotch rocket that just like you Basically. get on and it's just real fast, real tiny. And it's just all about maneuverability and nothing else, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed in the scene um, that starts a reoccurring thing about the way this series is made is that a lot of the shots steal a lot of things of, from film cinematography. Um, out, out of note in this, this scene in particular, there's a special attention to the lighting detail and the depth of field on the camera, but you'll see things like um, wide and narrow angle shots, crane shots, uh, blurring and other film grain effects. Um, panning shots that are not native to like what anime normally does and like a lot of it gives it a very movie feel to it which definitely helps with the style it's trying to portray Um, continuing on uh, we see a montage while Blue's guitar plays um, the shots of this asteroid which is actually the Tijuana that they're referring to it does kind of look like the older Tijuana um, in that it is kind of run down. There are, seems to be a very uh, high Mexican theme to it. It's a uh, crime. New Tijuana, we could call yeah. it. It seems very much like Neo-Mexico. No. <laughs> 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 um, we're introduced to three new characters. Uh, these are the three old guys, a.k.a. Antonio, Carlos, and Jabum. They uh, appear in almost every single episode and really don't have any part other than being old crockety dudes playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because uh, the main characters never really acknowledge these three dudes, even though these three dudes they're play like a there. major part in some of these series inadvertently. But they're funny. And they start talking about, like, back in my day, I was the guy who helped build this system and everything. Uh, the bartender is supremely annoyed by these people. I do uh, find it interesting that the dub is quite different to the translated uh, Japanese, and there's a lot of jokes that were added in the dub, uh, yeah. In the dub, which that is... work really well. Like they, yeah. they go to actually pretty great pains to make the speech kind of translate over. Like uh, when they say like sayings and things, you'll see that like the translation on the subs did it a lot more literally, and 
the dub made it so that it flowed a lot more naturally. And it's like, it's actually a really good dub, by the way. Um, yeah, it's one <laughs> of the better ones out there. Um, so yeah, in this bar, um, Asimov and the pregnant, a pregnant woman enter uh, into the bar. Her name is Katrina. Kat- Katrina, yeah. Katarina. Katarina, anyway. sure. Uh, he sits down, orders a beer. She asks for a Bloody Mary, and the bartender says, like, they don't have tomato juice. And so Asimov flashes some something out of his coat pocket, which appears to be some sort of, like, vial. And the bartender says he'll go in the back to look. Asimov follows him. Outside the bar, a uh, bunch of cars pull up, and there are a bunch of gang members, and they all show up with guns. In the back room, Asimov is trying to sell to the bartender all these drugs. Uh, the bartender wants a demo, so Asimov sprays it in his eye, and we get a first-person shot of what Asimov has seen. Like, this field gets kind of blurry, red, and disjointed, and, like, he's getting high as hell. Um, the gang breaks into the bar, starts shooting up the place. Um, the bartender just immediately gets shot in the head in a kind of funny scene. Um, the old men high, Katrina just starts shooting back, etc. This is basically a shootout. We cut back to first-person shot of Asimov, like, attacking a gang member, and, like, they do it... In this super slow motiony, yeah, it's like slow motion blur, but it has like the red, like almost Terminator effect going on, and like the way they portray him as moving is like really animalistic and like I don't know, berserking almost. But um, yeah, he goes on a rampage and just murders all of them. Uh, but that's not fun. So we cut over to Spike, who is in what appears to be, I guess, a teepee of some Native American guy who is laughing both. He will be a reoccurring character. Uh, this uh, Laughing Bull is letting sand go through his hand as kind of in a seance. Spike is looking bored and wants food. But Laughing Bull says that the red-eyed coyote will appear at the north end of town, and that Swimming Bird will meet a woman and then death. And so Spike is ah, like... Do. Yeah. Spike takes this kind of in stride and jokes that he was always already killed by a woman once before and leaves. Mm. Uh, we cut over the jet who has found this bar that's been shot up, and he's just kind of looking at it like almost, I don't know, incredulous. Yeah, Free he, booze. He does go sit at the bar and drink, which is quite he funny. He finds the one bottle that wasn't shot up. Hell yeah. Which, which is very jet. Yeah, so the gang members, um, some gang members are talking outside and they walk into the bar and they see that it's trash and think that Asimov went berserk. Um, they start talking about like, you know, the cops should just deal with him because if, if uh, we try to go up against him, he's just going to send us back in a body bag or whatever. But then they also realize that they need to get the bloody eye back. So they lean up against the bar while they're talking, and Jet, who was hiding behind the bar, uh, knocks one out and just, like, bicep holds the other dude into broken bottle point and asking him for info. Yeah, Jet is, like, you, you sort of think he's just the info guy at first, but he's also a large, muscular man who kicks the shit out of people when he I, needs to. I mean, obviously, he's a large, muscular man with, like, a... <laughs> uh, uh, cybernetic Yeah, hand. cybernetic arm, you know? Of course mm. he's gonna kick ass. Um... So we cut over to a uh, shot of Spike flying in the swordfish, and he is starving. And he also makes a little joke saying that the swordfish is also starving because it's out of fuel. Um, so he lands, like, I guess at a land-in gas station for ships? I they think spend they just... a decent amount of time showing, like, ships refueling in this, and it gives it a really, like, I don't know, It looks like, feel. like New Mexico truck stop almost. But, yeah. yeah. Just I was going to say, it reminds me of, like, a drive through state. Like, yeah. the kind of state where you just, like, you stop for gas and that's all. Like, you're driving through, you know, like, uh, like Indiana or whatever. <laughs> like, it's that kind of, like, it like kind of gives of this states. essence of shithole. Yeah, like, what is your state known for? Truck stops. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, so, um. He hands, uh, he lands and goes to the bathroom stall for whatever reason, and behind him enters Asimov, and Asimov is immediately obvious that are going, he's going through withdrawals from the drugs he took. Um, Very shaky. Yeah, Spike leaves the stall and like kind of gives him like a flat, no poker face look, and starts to wash his hands. And Asimov is getting real jumpy; he's about to reach for a gun, but uh, Spike says something to the effect of, "Oh, leave the water running; you don't clog the sink or whatever," and just kind of pats him on the shoulder and leaves. Um, as Spike leaves the bathroom outside, he bumps into Katrina um, carrying groceries, and they fall over. So he is a nice guy and helps her pick them all up. And as he walks away, she notices that he is eating some of uh, her groceries and gives him the eye. So he makes a goofy face and then kind of just offers her the hot dog that he has stuffed that sideways he... into his mouth. Yeah, it's like half pulled out of his <laughs> mouth at this point. <laughs> Yeah, and she says to just keep it because she's annoyed. But then he, like, kind of, like, sleight of hand into showing her all the other crap that he stole, which is, like, a ton of boxes of stuff. And she's, like, impressed. It, it establishes to... Spike pretty well. 
and will kind of just be what he does for the rest of the series. Yeah, Spike is uh, has sticky fingers, I guess you could say, and that's yeah, a good characterization because this comes up many times later on in the series. Yeah. Um, so Asmoth leaves the bathroom and he sees uh, her chatting, chatting with Spike and becomes suspicious. Um, we cut over to Spike fueling the ship, uh, his ship, and um, she's like, "Oh, you have a nice old ship." He's like, "I've had it for ten years, or whatever." And so they start chatting. My uh, Spike... 1989 Toyota Camry. <laughs> With a giant laser on the bottom. <laughs> Spike says that uh, he's a traveling performer and does some more sleight of hand stuff, kind of, you know, almost flirting with her in a way. Um, she says she can't t- tell when he's joking. Um, she says that she wants to go off to Mars because she heard it's really nice there. And he's like, oh, I was born on Mars. And she goes on and it's like, I can't wait to go live there. And it's a better place than this shithole. And he's like, yeah, only if you're rich. And he's like, well, then I guess we'll be quite happy. Uh, there's a scene here, some really kind of sorrowful guitar music comes in, and then there's like a one-third profile shot of Spike because he realizes that like she's trying to do her best to like leave the shithole and get a better life, but also knows that she is an accessory to uh, crimes. And uh, got a lot of money on Asimov's head. Yeah. And so like there's a shot of like Spike has kind of like reflecting on his situation, her patting her stomach. Um, and then like he asks her if she's planning on escaping and how far does she really think she's going to get. She immediately becomes suspicious over this, uh, who asks if he's just a cowboy, um, but she's a, he's obviously a bounty hunter. The terms that you get interchangeably used in this series, for whatever reason. Um, Spike says that Asimov is sick, but he doesn't really deal with small fries, and she says that that's very smart, because Asimov appears behind them and starts choking him. Uh, right as he's about to crush Spike's throat, uh, she kind of yells for him to stop, so he does, and as Spike falls to the ground, he swipes something from Asimov's coat. We don't get to see it. Uh, they get into a car and they leave, and Spike just kind of stares into the sky and passes out. I mean, he was just choked out. Yeah. And hungry as shit. I, I mean, it's true. Yeah, you I wonder which of that contributed more. <laughs> he seems uh, like the type to faint from hunger, just as like a drama queen type. Oh, I'm so hungry. I swoon. <laughs> yeah, so um, we cut to them, uh, Asimov and Katrina in the car traveling. Um, he asks her why she stopped him. He's like, I wanted to kill this man. And like, it's kind of comes out here. He's a bit deranged and a bit crazy. Uh, like he accuses, to him. Yeah, he accuses her of liking him and stuff. And she's like, well, we were just waiting. I was just talking with him. And she just wants to leave this life and get onto a better life on Mars. That's her whole MO right now. We cut back to Spike laying on the ground next to his ship. Chet walks over and asks if he's having a nice nap. Uh, Spike kind of chokes with him for a bit. Uh, Jet starts monologuing here. He says, like, he's giving up. I can't find the guy. We've got to cash in our chips. And uh, he brings up the fact that when Asimov left the syndicate, he stole a bunch of these top-grade super drugs that the syndicate was making, and now the syndicate's in shambles trying to find him to get their money back. Um, they send, keep sending hit teams after him, but I guess, like, he keeps taking the drug, which increases your reaction time or something, and, like, this makes them all die because he goes crazy and kills them. Um Spike is just kind of not really listening to Jet during all this and stretching, and then like he tells Jet that they're going to Mars, and Jet's like shocked. He's like, "Did you meet the guy?" He's like, "In a in a matter of speaking," and he makes the joke about finding the red eye coyote because I guess the Native American dude did know what was happening. This happens a lot. <laughs> yes, several times actually. <laughs> so um, we cut over to a montage of police activity, uh, like in this Tijuana area, cars are driving down the road, and like Asimov is getting jumpy at all the police cars. Uh, Katrina's getting concerned about his well-being. We cut to a different He's bar. He's clearly been getting guys. worse, basically. Sorry, what was it? He's clearly been getting worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, meth is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. So uh, the three old guys are on the patio playing uh, cards again. Um, they go into the whole spiel about back in their day again. They also notice that Asimov and Katrina walk in a second time. Spike is sitting on a park bench there in a comically big sombrero and poncho, and this is very obviously a uh, Clint Eastwood nod here. Um, Asimov sits down. They talk about the whole Bloody Mary thing. Again, I guess that's their code word, and Spike says um, that he's interested in seeing the drug. Asimov uh, tries to pick it out of his coat pocket, but he can't find it, and then Spike immediately shows him the one that he had swiped from him earlier and teases him with it. Um, He tells Asimov that he doesn't really worry about small fries like this dude, Um, and Asimov's like, you know, you'd be better as a thief. Just give me back the drugs and we'll leave. But um, Spike throws it up in the air and shoots it, and then they start fighting. And this is like the first, uh, I guess, really drawn-out fight scene that they have in the series. It's incredibly well animated. Um, the music that plays here is very upbeat jazz. Um, 
the fight seems to be going bad for Asimov because Spike is very good at fighting. And um, I've noted here, like, during this whole thing, um, there's a lot of camera tricks, like I mentioned earlier. Like, they use shaky cam, they have wide-angle crane shots, uh, they do first-person shots of, like, Spike getting punching him in the head. The whole thing it, is drawn very much like it's being shot on yes. a film set. Yeah, they do that quite a lot during the series, and it's real good. Uh, but they're interrupted during their fight by a syndicate hit team. Um, Asimov and Katrina make a break for it, and Spike follows, and he ends up like getting stopped by a car full of syndicate dudes, and he kicks them all in the face. It's funny. It's very good. Uh, Asimov and Katrina hijack this uh, ship that's fueling just some random person and fueling a ship. Um, but she gets hit in the stomach by a stray shot from the syndicate thugs and like a whole bunch of those vials of drugs fall out of her stomach. So she wasn't really pregnant. She was just carrying them around like that. That can't <laughs> have been comfortable for her. Surprising she didn't just clink all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like you think you put like <laughs> cotton balls or something in there so they don't get. Yeah, there was no packing. It was just glass <laughs> vials in there. Maybe yeah, they were she so would have sounded like a packed that they couldn't actually she, clink together. There we go. Yeah, she would have sounded like the the like uh, the kitchen at a bar, just like cleaning a million <laughs> glasses all the time. <laughs> Yeah, so she gets into the ship where Asimov berates her. Um, he says, like, if we lose the drugs, we're done. We ha- you have to be careful. And, like, she's starting to realize that he is going crazy. Uh, Spike starts fighting off the syndicate dudes on the car, but more show up and start shooting at him. He's saved by Jet knocking over uh, the syndicate car with his own little personal spaceship, which is called the Head Hammerhead. Um, Asimov and Katrina start fleeing from the syndicate ships. Spike shoots down several of them that were flying. And then there's a montage of them flying towards the exit of this asteroid with a kind of sad sax music playing in the background. Uh, Asimov is, at this point, completely losing it. His eyes are huge and red, and he's, like, freaking out. He he feeds to his drug addiction even more by crushing one of these vial flasks over his eye to just kind of show how far he's gone. Uh, Katrina is the entire time pleading that the stuff is going to kill him, then that he needs to stop. As they fly towards the asteroid exit, there's a bunch of cop ships waiting there with their sirens on. Um, he's looking completely crazy, and so she has kind of resigned herself that she's never going to leave here. She's never going to see Mars. This is all just a big, you know, failure. Um, so we see uh, some good editing here. There's a gunshot and with a quick cut to Spike's face and all, like, the sound effects just kind of... As he catches up to their to their car. Yeah, and as he passes and uh, catches up and passes their ship, he looks over to it and sees that there's this Asmos blood all over the side of the window and that Katrina is cradling him in her arms. And uh, Spike is shocked to see that she has sh- shot him and their eyes meet for a second. She says adios. Then the sound effects immediately come back as the cops blow up her ship. Um, there was a slow motion shot of her dying with the drugs falling around her. And it's a very Bonnie and Clyde-esque. That's um, basically the world that we live in here. Yeah, very sad. The um, Blues Harmonica starts up again. Um, it's a repeat of the first couple shots of the episode with Jet cooking during stir-fry and stuff. Uh, he looks for Spike, who is on the bridge doing Kung Fu, but uh, he just kind of stops and stares out the window for a bit in the space. Uh, Jet says that it is time for more bell peppers and beef. And Spike just takes a drag from a cigarette and there's a far shot of the bebop, which is just kind of a setup for how this series is going to go. Yeah. (coughs) And uh, now that we've gotten our characters established and all that, hey, everybody, this has been a recap show for a couple seasons, but that's not going to work for bebop. So we're not doing it anymore. So we're just going to assume you've watched it at this point. Let's just talk about the style. So we're into episode two here. Mm-hmm. This is the dog episode. Yes. Hey, everybody. It's the dog episode. Here's all you need to know story-wise. They get a dog. Okay, great. Now that we've done that, let's talk about all the cool shit in this episode. So first of all, the bad guy, they repeatedly establish how tall this motherfucker is. And I oh, love it. Huge. Every time they establish how large this man is. He's so He's big. very obviously a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, yeah. reference yep. to Game of Death. It's great. <laughs> It's also really what, funny cause... how they're like, he changes his face. It's like, just look at the tallest man <laughs> right? in the room. Yeah. He's right there. In, in this episode, Spike mistakes another person for him. And it's like, come on, surely the first thing you would have heard about him is that he's eight foot tall. And it's hilarious, too, because like they get uh, <laughs> when they first are getting a call for info. <clears throat> 
He's like, yeah, if you give me, like, all this money, I'll tell you what the guy's face looks like after his plastic surgery. And, like, no one just mentions to them, oh, this guy's, like, nine foot five. <laughs> like, he's, like, look for the Abraham Lincoln motherfucker. <laughs> oh, it's so They also, good. like, draw several times that his hands are fucking huge. Like, he has yeah. giant oh, yeah, hands. Yeah. Oh, God, one of the first scenes he's in, he literally, like, he orders a drink and a guy bumps into him because he's, like, trying to steal some shit from him or something. Uh, and he just like forces this guy to drink a glass of like orange juice with a butt with like a roach in it. And he goes to grab the guy's face and his hand covers up like 80% of this man's face with one. Like he's got huge hands. Like, I gotta so tell you, good. that guy was brave. Like to go off and fuck with a guy that tall. Like Just so his buddy <sighs> could steal a suitcase. Like. God. Can we talk about how funny it is, how long they delay showing that it's just a Welsh Corgi? <laughs> yeah, it's like two-thirds of the episode's done before they actually open up the case in front of people. Oh my god, like, they keep playing it up like it's this big, amazing, super important thing. Like, imagine if you were watching Pulp Fiction, and then instead of just, like, vaguely showing the, you know, the case has a shine coming off of it, it just pans the camera <laughs> around, and there's just a Welsh Corgi sitting Well, they there. actually, in a way, they, I think they do reference that, because when he's on top of the garbage truck looking in the case, it's like the same shot almost from yeah. Pulp Fiction of him looking into yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah, And it barks and he, at him. And, and it barks at him, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's um, great. God, I other details. I also is the first, like character they add you know we have spike and jet and there's a few mm-hmm. more characters that are going to come in and, and the dog's the no, first the dog one is the most important part dog <laughs> is the most important one by a lot um god other things they uh, incredible thing in this episode there is a character only in the english dub as far as i know that has the best delivery of seems that way like 14 <laughs> times i might add like the it's the uh the, the two of the people who worked at the lab that created ein are just like driving around and non-stop just, seems catcher. that way yeah oh it's so good like they keep asking like it, it's basically there's these two people having a conversation but it's really just one person yeah the, guy's like, and the other guy's the just going we're, we're a deep shit if anyone catches that dog a, seems that way a, aren't we a <laughs> so this. We so did all these this. experiments on it. We would super go to jail. <laughs> Seems that way. So good. One of the things I do like about this episode is like they introduce like a bunch of minor characters, like the two thieves, the dog shop owner, and everything. Those mm-hmm. two guys, and like they all have like distinct characterization, despite the fact that they're on screen for maybe two minutes each. Yep. Like mm-hmm. you take a look at the way you take a look at the way this like the pet shop owner, the old lady, looks, and like how she just says like two or three lines, and you know everything you need to know about that character just immediately how she acts. Yeah, the pet lady and, and has I- a very um, a very nineties old lady uh, characterization and voice. Like a lot what of that. What do you mean, Serene? <laughs> <laughs> what could you possibly be talking about? <laughs> exactly that. This whole show has a lot. Like the whole dub of this show has a lot of like nineties stock characters voices in it oh god in a way that works really well because all of these characters are really utilitarian they're kind of like they have a point to do to be there and then they're done and then you never have to think about them again and it works (laughs) really well god other things i love in this episode i love the running theme that comes up which is spike's least favorite things which are (laughs) pets children and women like just women all the women with attitude yeah well, that's what it's women with attitude yeah this, this, this. and like it's great because as soon as he gets the dog he's just like oh i hate that we have a dog it would be terrible if there was a woman with an attitude and also a child here. <laughs> it's funny too because if that happened i'd be so mad oh geez yeah he says at the end of the episode that he hates dogs or whatever and then jet's like well, you're the one who brought him back and then like spike just immediately looks embarrassed again Spike literally yeah. <laughs> risked his life to save the dog and didn't get the bounty. Well, he has to, to make the choice the at the end. Yeah. The bounty or the dog. And he made and the right like, choice. He's like, God damn it. He's like, I also like the dog. make some shout outs to some good animation. Uh, later in the episode, Hakeem, uh, the bad guy, uh, steals a car to do a getaway. And the car was like supposed to be the, um, I don't know, the limo or whatever for two, a oh, couple like a getting married. married. Yeah, wedding married. yeah, like just married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he sits down, like the wedding's happening. Like they show like the bride and groom talking to each other all like up close. And then in the background, it shows him getting the car. 
And then so like the broom goes yes. up to him while he's sitting in the vehicle. It's like, excuse me. And he just fucking left straights this dude right in the face. And the and it's amazing. It, the comedic the Japanese... timing is incredible in this show. Yeah. Like everyone is like, well, why is that person getting into my car? The groom goes up like, why is that guy getting in my car? And then bam. <laughs> and apparently he says something in the Japanese dub, but in, in, in English it's just great because he just sits in there, the guy walks up and he just bam. And leaves like doesn't say a word just lights him up drives off that's all he needs and then a, there's another really great scene of spike chasing after this dog and a car slowly coming up behind him and spike looks back and like sees his reflection in the car and it's like ah shit and, like has to kind of like dive off to the side oh it's so good like uh, also this episode i think has the like kind of goofy almost ska-esque chase music yeah that is uh, yes. kind of whips ass yeah, yeah bad dog so no biscuit Yup, Bad Dog No Biscuit is extremely <laughs> strong. Um, yeah, just super good one. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun, goofy like action references too. Like the whole the dog getting the better of both of them and jumping onto the barge, passing under the bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, so good. in the episode. There's this chain uh, where Spike is chasing uh, Hakeem, and they like they come down to this bridge where both of them are on either sides of the bridge with Ayn in the center, and there's like this big standoff. And like you think you're going to get a like a well animated fight scene, but what you they see do a little is, bit. They just, do a little bit, but the best shot of it is it just like Corey. at ground level, I'm sitting there watching while you see their feet move around. <laughs> yes, shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, oh, they're fine. That's fine. You're I'm pretty here. good. You're pretty good too. And then the dog runs off the uh, <laughs> barge. Also, like, I guess this episode he is the jumps first off one to Spike's face as well, which is great. This episode is the first one to introduce uh, two of my actual favorite characters in the entire series, who are Punch and Judy, the two characters on the Big Shots TV program. Yes. Ah, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah so this, um, in the background of this universe, I guess there's a TV channel that shows Big Shots. It's a show for bounty hunters about you know all their top bounties and how they can do stuff, you know, whatever. And the two actors on them, like one of them, is Punch, this black dude. He's playing this like I just. I just realized right now that Big Shots and spoilers for the ending of Big Shots is the same as fucking the ending of HQ. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. The ending of HQ where they're all fucking hammered and they're in their regular clothes just like we don't give a shit. <laughs> like we're done hosting this garbage. Yeah, the, not to give away the ending, but it's funny to see how these two characters are playing characters on TV. It's yeah. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I love Bob Punch and Judy. They're real fun. Especially because the love, accent like, he uses are like, is like the worst over-the-top yes. spaghetti western accent. Hey, <laughs> amigos. <laughs> yeah, it's also uh, like really... It's, it's this great play on like cable television that of course there's a channel that just has TV shows for bounty hunters. They probably also play reruns of Dog on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think they have their sure. local on the 8s? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one one very important strange animation that I don't know why Spike felt the need to do, but Spike at one point teabags a car in its yes. chest. He was trying, like, I guess, to just get kinda, it to stop. He, he's trying to get it to stop, yeah. It like looks like he's kind of trying to press down on top of the car, but it's just very funny because it's just kind of like, he kinda, he does just kind of teabag the car should be in mentioned. his spaceship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 like using his spaceship. It, it's very bizarre. Um as far as actual story important stuff, though, uh, I guess the fact that Ayn is a data dog, which we find out right at the end, is an, like, an illegal black market project to make super intelligent dogs. So he's a pretty smart doggo. He's, but he's all right. selling him is pretty hard, and apparently everyone just like looked at him and was like, yeah, that's worth like two woolongs. He's what? just, he's yeah, a like, corgi. Two, two he's, he's a mop. There's a thousand of them. We don't care. He's and it's like, no, 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 but he's smarter than a regular corgi. And unfortunately, he's so smart, he would start acting incredibly stupid. Ayn is wonderful, by the way. Ayn <laughs> is the best character. It's a dog. It's I great. Mean, yes. <sighs> what if the dog but, uh, talk? Yeah. And yeah, the episode ends with... <laughs> The episode ends with Spike again being annoyed about the dog, which Jet reminds him, you brought it here. Spike's like, oh, just eat, just eat it. I don't give a shit. And of course, Jet immediately is like, oh, here's a collar for you, buddy. Oh, who's a good boy? Like immediately <laughs> just starts like petting the dog and nap. just clearly loves having a dog on the ship. And Spike's like, fucking it, dog. It says so much about their relationship, the way that like Jet's like, well, you know, you are soft enough to bring a dog on here, but I know I'm going to be the one feeding it. <laughs> I also love when Ayn bites Spike's finger earlier in the 
Uh, yeah, no, I'm yeah. in pets over here. Don't don't bother me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's most episode too. Like I get, they get a dog. They get a dog. <laughs> that's the dog episode. Good stuff. Okay, so Thanks. I guess we're going to do this format. Episode 3 is about Faye. She enters the scene. Uh, she's really good at gambling and also is kind of a thief. Um, she talks to a guy named Gordon who wants to use her to do a swap for a fancy computer chip. Inadvertently, some bad stuff happens and Spike ends up with the chip uh, that puts their plans into disarray. Um, eventually, it comes down to a kind of confrontation scene where Spike needs to give them the chips for some money. Uh, that goes poorly and there's a fight scene and it turns out that Faye steals all their money and leaves them. So... Yeah. That's this is mostly just we are getting introduced to Faye, yeah. who is a problem. <laughs> Many problems <laughs> a problem at once. dot character. Yeah. Trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This so is also tr- like um so part of the plot in this episode revolves around Faye mistaking uh Spike for another person who was supposed to actually give her the chip. And have you ever seen that joke that like Spike's aesthetic is basically the same as Stu Pickles? <laughs> because yeah. the guy that she mistakes him for is literally just stew pickles yeah it's pretty amazing like there's just a random stew pickles motherfucker walking around the casino it's real good uh also the the first shot of Faye is one of the best and inadvertently now in 2020 funniest opening shots because it looks exactly like if you're familiar with Drill or Wint on Twitter. Uh, it's a picture of Jack Nicholson in shades, like chomping a cigar like a shithead. And it is, oh my God, Faye does it perfectly. It's, one it's for dead one. on. Yeah. Like she's got this, her shades on, a dumb fucking smirk with a cigarello in her mouth, just firing this SMG. It's so funny. It's also so funny but at the same time, the shot is really well done. It's like done in kind it's of a cool. Norse like, style is, of yeah. her shooting through a door with like a Dutch tilt going on. It's, yeah, yeah, like, no, like, it actually is a super cool shot. And the fact that amazing. it's funny is only because of, yeah, like, the, the, <laughs> because of context now. But like, it's like legitimately, yeah, it's super fucking cool. Like they they instantly make you think this character is cool from the word go because she does the coolest thing. <laughs> you know exactly what she's like from the very start, and she is super consistent about this characterization. Like she's a complete brat, but also super badass, and it's great. She also plays up the <laughs> femme fatale angle quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. she she's having her, so much fun. Yeah, she uses her looks many times to get what she needs. Uh, one of the things I liked actually rewatching this is that in the beginning of the episode, they, um, Jet and Spike go onto a casino spaceship, space station, something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's like a quick, I don't know, maybe 20 second montage of this oh. casino. And they're all like just, presented yeah, in like small bunch. two second vignettes. Like just... It's like a bunch of really cool little microcosmic establishing shots to really like quickly get you into the mood of we're in a cool casino. It's super lively. Shit's happening all the time. That kind of thing. Like it's like they cut to some people winning at slots, some guy losing at a table, some, you know, some dude doing this, that, the other. It's, oh, it looks so yeah, good. Another really thing, strong like, establishing uh, shots. Yeah, another thing, like, that does through the editing technique is, like, the show likes doing, like, super close-ups on small parts of things. Like, it shows, um, one of the scenes is uh, Jet, like, just looking at a slot machine with his face grinning. And, like, there's some shots later on of just hands playing cards and whatnot. And so, like, it gives mm-hmm. you the idea of the montage establishing shot, but without doing, like, a sweeping montage like a lot of shows would do. Yeah, it's like each yeah. one is super, super cut down to, like, the the essence of what it needs to show here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some... Yeah, it's, uh, this, this episode has style for days. Like, this whole anime has style, but this episode in particular <laughs> has, like, style. Like, it is fucking cool. <laughs> I, I also really love how, like, in any of these space shows from the 80s and 90s that have a space station in them, the casino is always a space station shaped like a roulette. Oh, of yeah. course. You, you can't like, not do it's, that. It, it's such an easy thing to do, but it's just like, yep, that's aesthetic right there. I, yeah, it, I love the um, the shot when when Spike runs into the guy he's been mistaken for, and the chips swap. Like it's so ridiculous and slow down. You see the chips <laughs> fall out and then cross over each other and roll the side. It's fantastically over the top. Especially because, like, as far as Spike cares, it's just he dropped his chip and this guy dropped his chip, and that guy's really jumpy for some reason. Oh well. 
Yeah, that guy like freaks Who's out immediately. Who's this Stu Pickles ass? <laughs> <laughs> Stu Pickles motherfucker. Dude, it's okay. Uh, this, this episode also has two of my favorite tracks on the soundtrack, which are Piano Bar and Piano Black. Um, Piano Black's theme specifically happens when Faye like, breaks out. She calls in her spaceship on autopilot and it just busts in the casino. And so it plays some really good music during that chase scene, fight scene there. Mm-hmm. I, I do love the implication of the spaceship, though, that like... She was captured by this guy and his goons, but she kind of could have gotten out at any time. She was just curious where this was going to go. Well, she also like expected she played along because the guy said yeah. she was going to pay off her debts. And her apparently extremely she large very... gambling debts, which yeah. will basically be another driving factor for her throughout the series. Also, yeah, I love that they immediately they start contradicting Faye's whole character. Like they introduce her first, they're like, "Oh, Poker Alice, she's never lost a game, luckiest lady alive," blah blah blah, and then immediately Faye's like. Well, that's not me. A, that person would be 200 years old. That's crazy. And B, I lose constantly. (laughs) And uh, has shown that she, in fact, is maybe the least lucky person in the entire series. Like, it is kind of unbelievable how unlucky Faye Valentine is. Yeah. Really, keep keep mental note of every time Faye Valentine is quote-unquote lucky and it wasn't just barely getting out of some insane bullshit. Like... (laughs) It's also lucky in the in the last second, the last frame. She's lucky, but until then, it's all bad. I also like the scene. Uh, they have her later on the episode, like locked up in the bathroom, I guess, which they use as a jail cell. Um, in the bebop, yeah, they were originally going to like sell her ship for like forty thousand dollars or something to try to make some of their money back. And but they find out that she has a bounty on her head, so they go tell her about this. And when she learns, like, first off, she's not surprised that there's a bounty, but like, when she asks how much it is, and they tell her it's six million, she's like super disappointed that it's that low. And they just kind of look <laughs> at her like, What? They're like, How More much have you lost gambling? And she's like, uh, Whatever, no big deal, you know, a couple, couple dollars. <laughs> there's also a really good, like, set up payoff thing early in the episode that I really like where like after at the end of when they go down the elevator Jet's like yo by the way no smoking and Spike like swallows his cigarette basically (laughs) yeah that freaks Jet out by the way and and it freaks him out and it's like it's this really good establishing thing for him as a character then like two scenes later they get to the casino floor and you see Spike spit the cigarette out uh, of his mouth so like he the, clearly he that's just something he can do he can just regurgitate shit and it's a party trick he learned of holding party trick. cigarettes in his throat which fucking disgusting dude yep. what the fuck and then <laughs> the, fuck? the entire like crux of the episode revolves around him swallowing this poker chip when <laughs> Faye is trying to get it back from him when she realizes that she fucked up because she was supposed to get it from give it to Stu Pickles or get it from Stu Pickles, <laughs> and, and it's just so like it, it's really amazing how you t- like how good this show is at just conveying like that was a really goofy scene, but it told you a lot about Spike and it also gave you a setup for the payoff of the whole thing, and it's just uh it's really well and done. The fact that it's it's Spike kind of just like fucking with Jet yeah. is the other reason <laughs> it works so that. well and is because like, it's so him yeah, they to were, do that. Because they're just like, shooting the gross. shit in the elevator. They're just like talking back and forth. And then Spike says something that kind of pisses Jet off a little bit. Because he's like, maybe you shouldn't gamble the last of our money. And Jet's like, hey, no smoking, motherfucker. And Spike's like, no smoking, huh? And he's just like, oh, go on, fuck off, man. It's just like, Weird it's shit. two buddies just fucking with each other in an elevator. And then it turns out, yeah, that's a huge piece of the episode in the plot. Like, oh, actually him being able to just regurgitate shit is crucial. <laughs> God, that must have tasted so awful. Oh, boy, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Like, especially if it was lit. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> Ugh. Ash. Um, I also want to point out, uh, later on in the episode, um, Spike, or when they have to do the switching of the chip for the money, um, he eventually gets a, Spike eventually gets in touch with Gordon, and they decide that gonna, Gordon's going to buy the chip from Spike for some money. So they have the Bebop fly next to Gordon's, like, casino spaceship thing. Oh, yes. And, like, they the got to do a handoff. Shots. Yeah, so there's a like low gravity shot of like um, spikes out on the deck of the bebop and just like turns off the magnet boots he has and just kind of like jets up towards the ship which is above him, and then like it does the camera pan of him going up to the ship doing like a half flip and so he can land feet up which is you know him landing on the other ship properly and then like the camera shows him upside down and then just spins slowly spins itself around so yeah, like, to, like the thing about the it. I about the animation cool of this show 
is it's mostly hand drawn still. We're not quite in the age of computers. There's some CG in in the show, but it's mostly that. And like you can see they were just like spinning the frame or spinning the camera in that yeah. shot and it's really really nice. Yeah, it's again, Kuva mentioned earlier, they use a lot of cinematic techniques and a lot of that comes down to they have the frame and they move the camera, quote unquote, you know, either physically moving a cell or by, you know, using animation to insinuate there was a camera that was being moved. And it's really effective when they do yeah, it. Yeah, there's another one later in the scene. Um, the casino spaceship has kind of like a rotating thing going on in it for, I guess, artificial gravity. And as such, there's these two big struts that just come out of it that slowly rotate around the ship. And like they show Spike on one side and the lackey dude on the other side. And like the way the depth of field is done, it shows that the lackey guy is completely out of focus while you know the rotating bits slowly a little bit, and then Spike is in focus in the background, which is another mm-hmm. nice touch of you know detail mm-hmm. for that. I also really like um, when Spike is uh, going to do the trade, and there's a close up on his eyes, like flicking to the side, like knowing the arm yeah. that's spinning around, which he then uses to stop the guy from uh, the lackey from shooting him, because of course it's a double cross. Obviously, mm. uh, yeah, the, and the it's, just, it's just great. It's it a lovely a, little shot. It's lovely little just eye eye twitch showing you that Spike knows what's going on. And, and he's always like, aware of this kind of shit, which will yeah. come up a lot. Yeah, it came up in the uh, previous, the first episode here. He was looking at Asimov like in the bathroom, like he had a poker face going on there, and he was just noticing shit. And it happens earlier in this episode too when he's playing blackjack, like yep. he's watching Faye cheat and doesn't say anything. Um, another thing they do that they set up really nicely, we are talking about the, uh, like gravity magnetic boots or whatever, and like how they were using those to move around. Um, the, during the fight later on, one of the things is it's like Spike's kind of like zipping in on the dude when they finally have, when, when they're actually shooting at him. Uh, and the way Spike deals with the guy is he just grabs his shoulder and then just kind of turns off his magnet boots and then just punts him. <laughs> like, well, like, see ya. Well, see yeah, ya. It's... Yeah, it just launches him into space. And it's great, too, because you see the guy kind of, like, flail as he's flying backwards and he just, like, slams into a window and he just can't do anything because yep. he's just floating in space. That's why you're in free ball. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. And, like, the way they animate it of, like, no, really, this dude slammed into it with all the force of Spike kicking him because he's in space, and that's how it works. Like, it's so good. There's a lot of attention given, like, a lot of silent shots when when they're doing things in space and stuff like that to give you, like, that feel that, like, yeah, we know there's a difference between being in your ship and being in space, and, like, it's... So much attention to detail that just makes this show really, really cool. Yeah, like, I mean, the ships go through hyperspace gates that they fly around, you know, and everything. But, like, it's just hard enough science fiction where, like, stuff like that, like the vacuum, no sound effect in space, and the way he floats away in free fall, like, make it, you know, give it enough, you know, I don't know. Not, they like, also just spend a lot of time, like, just living their lives, you know, cooking fucking bell peppers and beef with no beef in it. <laughs> to make it feel more real, like even when it's doing stuff that like wouldn't really be all that believable. Yeah, I mean, like, like people actually have to interact with all this cool future tech, and that makes it just feel so much more grounded. Like the Bebop feels like it's a lived-in ship, just the way it's portrayed oh, God, yeah. and everything. The shit is falling oh. apart. And also, yeah, they uh, they talk about it. I think it's this episode where they mention it um, when they're describing the Bebop. Like I think it's Faye just describes it as like. Like a like a trashed old fishing ship or something. Yeah. She's just like there, there it's was a, a term fucking old junker. It. Yeah, there's a fucking trash ship over here. It's a piece of crap. I, they're hiding me in it. They, they live on. on the Millennium Falcon, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah, it's a very Millennium Falcon kind of feel for sure. Uh, and you mentioned the match cut at the end of this episode, Kuvo. Oh, I thought yeah. it was really cool too. Yeah. So at the end, um, after. Um, what happens is after they the botched attempt for them trading the chip for money, uh, Faye goes and steals the money that the guys had. They try to shoot at her, but she eventually makes the missiles blow up the casino owner Gordon's ship. Um, Spike lands himself, uh, flies himself back over to the Bebop, and he's upset because you know they lost their money, they lost the buyer for the chip, and like he looks down in his hand because he forgot that he had it, and there's this, like a shot of him looking down at his fist, and then there's immediate match cut shot to him at the casino opening that fist with the chip in it, and they're yeah. going to spend it, you know, gambling at the last thing because that's the only thing they could do with it now. Now that they've lost, yeah. so this is basically the encryption program. It needed the other part of it that just blew up in the space station to be worth anything. So now it literally is just a poker chip. 
As as will become a running theme in Cowboy Bebop, they never get to have the money. <laughs> no matter what, they are still poor. Much it's- like Hudson Hawk and his damn coffee, they'll never get the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's my one Hudson Hawk reference this season. Episode four. Get it out of the way early. Yes, episode four, the main gist of it is uh, Spike and Jet are trying to go find a bounty. They've tracked this guy to a restaurant right as they're about to nab him. Uh, Some echo terrorists just shoot up the place. A much Uh, bigger bounty shows up in their lap. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A much bigger, much crazier, much angrier (laughs) bounty. (laughs) Yeah, so they realize that the echo terrorist is worth more money, so they uh, kind of hold up their leader, which is a woman named Maria. Um, they take her back to the ship and they try to cash in the bounty on her, but the bounty's been revoked for whatever reason, so most of the episode is them trying to figure out why this is happening. Meanwhile, there's like a sub-B plot of these eco-terrorists are making this virus to uh, make people turn into monkeys, because I guess like it's an RNA retrovirus or something, I don't know. It, but it is some extreme <laughs> PETA plot type stuff. Yes, it's very green yeah. PETA-esque. It is like it is a very horrifying way to go for what it's worth. Like they show at one point the threat to like uh, after the eco terrorists uh, make their demands and all of that. At one point, the government's like, "Oh, well, we couldn't quite give you everything, but we got close." And she's like, "Well, let me show you what it looks like." And turns one of her quote unquote sons, you know, one of the terrorists in the group, into a uh, you know half guy, half ape, and it's a lot of screaming and trying to get out and not getting out and more screaming. So not and then getting great. married. <laughs> Yeah. And then getting, yeah, then turning into kind of an ape. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, so no. the police had revoked the bounty on them, so they're forced to let her go. She eventually does just go through with her terrorist plan to shoot this virus at Ganymede, which is a colony on around Jupiter. Um, and, of course, they, they frame it around, like, these, like, sea rats or whatever, which I love. I love the setup <laughs> for this, too, because yep. they do a little bit of setup where why are they eating these things? And they kind of basically are explaining that, it is a trash food that had an artificial inflation due to, you know, like advertising campaigns and stuff, which is they do a fucking great bit with this, by the way, where it's Spike and Jet are at this fancy restaurant and Spike asks, you know, oh, what'd you get? And he says, you know, well, I'm getting this the sea rat, you know, and he's like, oh, wow. What do do people eat that? He's like, well, yeah, it used to be a uh, staple food because it was very common. And uh, but then once the gates were open, there was less of a shortage of food. They and just so uh, like people they could eat regular food. But uh, so then in a big advertising campaign uh, made it a luxury item and drove it up. And Spike's like. Oh well, how does it taste? He's like, oh, it tastes like shit. It's awful. It's just a status symbol. And Spike's like, that's ridiculous. I'll order the lobster, and it's amazing. It's so what a bit. <laughs> it's great too because the eco terrorists have like hats that look like this sea rat thing. It kind of looks like an otter, I guess. Yeah, and they wear that otter esque. <laughs> it's literally like a, a like like a rat with a mermaid tail. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> They have, like, several plush toys and stuff. So clearly there have been several six very successful marketing campaigns for this cute little creature. Yeah, so, yeah, the end of the episode is them launching the missile and Spike, Faye, and Jet need to stop it from actually blowing up and contaminating the rest of Ganymede. Um, yeah, because Faye, Faye was run out of fuel. And money. And money. <laughs> and, and is food. trapped and is, like, calling out for help. But she finds this, like, blown-up ship. Finds a guy and it, the guy's like, please take this to the authorities. And she's like, nah, actually, I'm going to open this and uh, see if I can sell it. I think it's probably <laughs> yes, a game there. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, he immediately, he's like, just take this to the cops and don't fucking open it. Please, Jesus, don't open it. And she's like, all right, I'll take it to the me and I'll open it. You got it, boss. <laughs> the guy yeah, dies immediately right next to her and she's like... All right, then. All right, then. Yeah, well, she brings it back to the fucking spaceship and tries to create an alibi for herself while she opens. She's like, I don't know. If it just if it opens in front of me, I just have to look. This is how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do nothing. It, it turns out it's uh, it's the virus, and there's a great scene. Uh, it's really long, but it's great. <laughs> while Jet is trying to figure out what's going on, Spike has taken the thing from From, from her, the suitcase. And, and he's trying to open it, and he can't, so he's like, banging it and he like just gets progressively more and more violent with this thing while the lady they've captured the, the eco-terrorist knows what this is because she and has no one virus. else on the ship does no she so not, it's like, she's it's like a tiny him. nodule 
it's, it's like a, a tiny little vial. nodule. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, it's a glass vial that's being suspended in this big container that has a bunch of struts and supports around it so that you don't accidentally Do open it or break it. And yeah. you see her yeah. cut her and she's getting more and more off. <laughs> And then Spike points a gun at it. <laughs> and she just like freaks out. It's really great. He turns the first there and he points a gun at it. And she's like, oh my fucking god, no. And then he shoots it. And then he shoots it. And then and, Jack and catches it. I, I think yeah, that was my part. favorite it's... like scene of the of this four set of episodes. Because you, the viewer, know exactly what's going on this entire time. And you are exactly like the villain in the episode sitting there like, oh my fucking God, I'm going to die. The thing is, there's also Spike, this- no. Spike, yeah. no. You're going to get in trouble. Spike. Before he shoots it, he like notices her freaking yes, out. Yes, he does. Again, that's one of the good things. He's very observant. So, yeah, he's very observant. He notices, so he knows this thing is like bad shit. And is, that she knows. Which is why he slips it to her uh, in the pocket later on. And, as, yeah, and, like yeah. that's basically like the stinger of the whole episode- that oh wait he slipped it into her pocket and now she's it comes out it smashes turn into a monkey. and they all turn into monkeys yeah, and trapped in hyperspace it's just so satisfying because you look back at that whole scene and it's like it was played for all comedy but it was actually kind of the pivotal scene of the whole episode yeah, and Spike, it was, yeah. Spike figured it out and he still shot it he still shot He's it though still shot Spike. it anyway <laughs> one of uh, my actual favorite scenes of this part is um when uh, Faye being trapped out in space is trying to radio any ships passing by her for fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, Jet, Spike, and Maria are all in that common area, they get a radio yes. call at one point with her just you know kind of talking, "Hey, could you feel, spare me some fuel and whatnot?" And like at first they're really like, "Is that Faye? Really? That can't and, really? Is that her?" Yeah, and so she just keeps talking. It's like, "I'll pay you back for the fuel, please. I don't leave me stranded out here." And it just shows like a quick shot of both Jet and Spike <laughs> yes. with like this smug ass look, just giving her the silent treatment <laughs> over the radio, and she's getting progressively more like paranoid and angry, more panicked yeah. and worried. And just like, come on, why would you do? Come on, help me out here! Like going through like the stages of grief, like is now bargaining, and it's like, come on, I don't deserve to die yet. I'm just floating out here, and then yeah, then like it pans it and she sees the back. ship, and then and then she just sees the beam up float into view, and just immediately throws her head back like, son of a bitch! It's <laughs> so good. Uh, she also- did handcuff the dog to a pipe though. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> she of course escapes again, but then decides that she's gonna live with them at the end of the episode. I think that's like the actual the only actual takeaway of this. Yeah, at the end of the episode, like the three of them are sitting in like the lobby area and she's like, you know, we'll get the money next time. You know, don't be so gloomy. You guys are so sad over this. Anyway, I'm gonna go take a shower bye. And so she walks off. And Spike is like, is she really inviting herself onto the ship? And Jet's like, I just don't know. I don't want to get involved. <laughs> Jet almost turned into a monkey today and you, and <laughs> almost saw Ganymede all turn into monkeys. He's done. He's very He's tired. Done. He's over. He also almost saw his, probably, if we're being real here, best friend get trapped in hyperspace, yeah. which probably isn't great. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, they do the quote-unquote science of hyperspace in this episode, which is... It looks as cool as possible. <laughs> That's it. That's a science. Star it Wars is fuck. Yeah, yeah, they actually make a note of this. Let the science go. <laughs> they make a note of this, uh, actually, for some character development. Um, Jet berates. So what happens is they try to shut the gate to stop the missiles in hyperspace, and there's a scene of Faye and Spike flying their ships out of this gate as it's closing right in the nick of time before it gets shut. And, like, Faye, sat there, uh, Faye comes out and she's all relieved that, like, she hasn't been caught in hyperspace. But then, like, these ghost missiles just pass her. And she starts freaking out about it, and Jet berates her for like, "Hey, didn't you pay attention to physics class in high school? Why don't you yep. don't you know how this shit works?" Which is actually some very smart character development there that she does not know how hyperspace works. How oh, she's dumb, yeah. and also Jet, like, you know, like this is just common knowledge, and Jet berates her for yeah. not knowing. Yeah. It. It's common knowledge that for some reason Faye doesn't have of the future. Mm. Weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this episode also, I love oh. how it kind of establishes how fast up and down the weird law enforcement government stuff goes nowadays like how the police are so kind of easily manipulated <laughs> like it was just really like someone called and was like yeah you should probably cancel the bounty or else we're gonna do a bad thing and they're like mm, okay <laughs> like that was it that was all no like, fight they just, might yeah, do all right, that sounds actually good. 
Turn us all into monkeys? Yeah, that's plausible. I I do also love, like, the the contact Jet makes in the Ganymede police force. Oh, that's Bob. Literally just reading porn. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bob shows up several times. Bob's just peeping titties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just opens and this call with him, and you like you get the shot from Jet's perspective first, where he can only see his face, and the scene goes on for a little bit, giving you useful information about them being eco terrorists and all that, and then it just cuts over, and he's got a titty magazine out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the I do love this too because it does give a little bit of character, which is Jet kind of says like, "Hey, I, we used to be cops together, and I know how crooked you were, so uh, don't fuck me, Bob." Like literally, he's just like, "Yeah, it's weird. There was all those like super illegal eye drops that kept going missing when you and I were on the force together. I don't all know, Bob. Could have been anybody." And Bob's like, are you fucking serious right now, Jet? Come on, man. All right, fine. <laughs> so good. The uh, one music note I really like in this is after the eco-terrorists in the beginning of the episode shoot up the restaurant, as they're leaving, they throw this little, like, hologram grenade on the ground. And, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it shows this hologram of, like, the eco-terrorists, and they have this, like, cute, friendly logo with the fucking sea rat there, and it's playing this, like, xylophone music, which is very, you know uplifting kind of child music as and, it drones on like, like PR. And it has like one of those infomercial type voices of or, or like you know museum entry for like, kids voices. Yeah kind of uh, one of those like the eco organization was formed in 1970 to help form you know protective services against the, the sea rat. Infos- yeah, yeah exactly that kind of stuff yeah just like the very gentle voice yep. the, along with. You've gone to the zoo. Yeah and it's the thing is the, the scene is really well done too because it's playing this and you can see like the kind of light and the flickers off the hologram as they pan around the restaurant and it's just corpses everywhere yeah talking about like we take peaceful approaches to help the sea rats live in harmony and conserve the environment and it's just <laughs> yeah just a dude just fucking air hold <laughs> like on a table it's like mass media discovered thematic dissonance in the 90s and you got some really, really beautiful things out of that. Yeah, that episode is uh, pretty fun. I, I like the bad guy too, because like it's it's also like kind of a nice morality portrayal here, because like they're they're trying to I guess quote do the right thing by k- taking this terrorist into custody and you know arresting her, but they're also kind of trapped at like the law says you can't do this anymore, and so they have to yeah, like. Sorry, let her we go. took off the bounty, so. You're actually yeah, like, kidnapping her. her. Yeah, like Jet- exactly. Yeah, the cop just straight up says he's like, "You should probably let her go, or you're gonna get on hit on kidnapping charges here in a little bit, bud." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jet was super pissed because he's like, "She's the terrorist leader. Like, she's obviously a bad person doing bad things." And the Bob was like, "Oh, it's out of my hands. Can't do anything." So, super stuck. minor note thing, but I really like the ship to ship contact thing they have, like the spinny tube. Oh, when it was docking. Oh, yeah, that they locks meet in the middle. The airlocks. Oh, they're sick. It's such a like it's such a tiny touch, but like that feels you know, very you see that it instantly makes sense. Like, oh, of course spaceships would have like a unified connector for that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's so immediately believable. Well, no, unless there are like six private spaceship companies, they all have their <laughs> own. <laughs> it's a good thing they have the right connectors. <laughs> oh god damn it, who uses Thunderbolt? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, back in the old phone days. <laughs> Still almost. Um oh, I also do love every time they have Faye act like a huge idiot whenever she realizes she has leverage and is very excited to get to use leverage yes. in this episode <laughs> in particular. Like, she just, they realize, like, oh no, Spike's not going to be able to catch the last missile. Like, it's split into three distinct packages and one of them is kind of going off on its own and Spike's like, ah, shit, I'm not going to be able to do it. And they just kind of realize they're screwed and then Faye kind of cuts into the comm signal and is like, I'll help for 80%. And Spike's like, fuck you, 60%. And she's like, all right, but I get the 60. He's like, mm, fine, get in here, come on. It's yeah, and then she goes to shoot the exchange. missile and breaks up into more missiles and she just panics. It's very funny. Yeah. It, again, Faye is chronically the unluckiest person. I'm a genius. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. And, and you just get so much of these characters, even from, like, the first four episodes of this show, you know? You immediately understand these characters and what drives them, and they're like, 
you know, Spike and Jet are tough guys, but they also kind of have their own morality and these kinds of things. And, like, Spike wouldn't let a dog fall off a bridge. He's too nice for that. If, yeah, even through, like, the, the small shots they do. While saying, I would never do this. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, a very good scene of... Someone mistaking thinking Sm- uh, Spike is horny when in fact Spike is never horny. He's just an idiot. Uh, in this episode, it's like right after Faye invites herself onto the ship, she leaves to go. She's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go take a shower." And he's like, "I can't believe she's taking a shower on my ship." God damn it, Fuck Jet! Her. I'm handling I'm this. I'm gonna go tell her how it is, and like just goes to storm in Jet's just like, to wait, tell her no, to fuck off. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah, Jet's like, dude, you're gonna, you can't storm in on a lady in the shower, and then like three gunshots happen, and he's like damn it spike (laughs) well you have that coming idiot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, such a good episode and yeah i mean that was the that's the first four and uh we end with most of the characters most yeah yeah we have uh most of the cast in the first in the first it's actually really quick how fast the show starts i didn't realize it but it does last member doesn't show up for a bit though i was gonna say i'm not sure we're even gonna meet the final member of the crew until the not next episode but the one after if i remember correctly it goes into some backstory territory for a bit here yeah 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 i I have to preview yeah right one thing uh, is um we actually have the blu-ray uh, just the problem is oh God. that we have the English and the Japanese voices, but only the Japanese voice lets you have the English subtitles. You cannot put... They're not separate options. No, you can't what? put the subtitles on and the English. This is like oh, the Blu-ray collection. Yeah, it's the, you know, official one. And we're like, God, fuck it. But we want them on. We want to see the difference. And also, it's just, it's got the... um it's got the very Blu-ray uh, volume leveling problem. If you've ever watched an Avengers movie on Blu-ray, oh you my, know what we're talking oh about. Oh my god! Like the, the volume the, is where it like cuts away, the and then a new scene comes in, and it's just a well, thousand no, decibels yeah, out it's of like nowhere. The voices are so yeah. quiet; you have to jack the volume up, and then as soon as shots start happening, it's like, oh well, better lower that volume. Or we're if you have a decent media out. player, you can change the dynamic leveling, but. You may just need to find some DVDs that fell off a truck or something. So we're not very good at this. I'm not advocating for piracy, but I will say piracy does fix all these problems. It's true. (laughs) Uh I'm not going to say that we're not watching that Blu-ray anymore. It's such a weird thing not being able to put the subtitles on on. it. They're on it. Why can't you have them? I know they're not one-to-one because the English dub is different, but it's just so useful having some context. You can... See. Yeah, it's silly. I'm actually well, thinking of the episodes, uh, Lear. So this is a 26-episode series, but there is a movie in here that's basically a full episode in movie format. And I yeah. know that's not on a multiple of four, since we generally do four at a time for this. Right. So like, yeah, I have to yeah. take a look to see when we break that up, because the movie's going to need to have its own podcast for itself. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And honestly, I think if we end up Taking a little more time for a couple episodes, I ain't gonna be bothered none because there's plenty of style to talk about. We can, we can keep going. We can make it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, yeah, so next time though will be episodes five to eight, I believe, unless we're doing going wild right away. Uh, we're not going wild right away, are we? Yeah. Okay, we're not going wild right away. <laughs> so episodes next time will be five to eight. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you uh, next time. Uh, See you later, space anime. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thought of that one for a while. Got him. <laughs>